Season 1, Episode 3 of Cooper is Alone podcast has begun. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, thank you so much for watching the clips I've been posting. Maybe some of you are from those. Clips are where you get the most interaction because nobody really wants to watch a 23-year-old talk for an hour, and I understand that. So, you know, I post clips on the TikTok and the YouTube and the Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And clips are great because there is no context for the podcast at all. There's no context to what I was talking about before or after or what I really mean. I just take those clips and I post them. And I love it because you get the angriest people you have ever met that will never watch the podcast calling, commenting, not calling, but commenting, trying to tell you how much they hate you, and I like it. And it's funny because um, I'm a nobody, but the way the internet works is that anyone can just sort of see you. So you don't have to be famous now at all for five people you don't know to tell you that you should shave your eyebrows and are a pussy for not wanting a gun. I posted a clip where I was saying that I am so crazy that I don't think they should sell me a gun. And then one guy commented, pussy, lowercase, and then commented again, pussy, uppercase P. People were so mad that I thought I shouldn't have a gun because I'm crazy, which is so confusing to me. Because if you love guns, I don't understand why you want other people to have guns. Every other gun in the world just makes your gun worth less. Like, do the math. Do the math. Like, when America dropped a nuke, two, they realized that was a lot. If it happened to us, it would really suck. So their first move was to be like, no more nukes. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Do the math on it. Do you understand? If I have a gun and I'm crazy, that sucks for you as another guy with a gun. Do you know what the powerful, the most powerful gun in the world is? The only gun in the world. I, if I had a gun, I would be telling every single person not to get a gun. Because then there's just one more person I can defend my life from, which is you want to kill people. You guys on the Instagram, when you post your ARs, you want to kill people so bad. And that's fine, but it's really weird how much you want to kill people. And more than that, let people know that you can kill people. If you're a person that publicly wants people to get other guns and also post pictures of their own guns, you are an idiot. You are so dumb for letting other people know that you have a bunch of guns. Because if I see a guy with a bunch of guns, my thought is, look at all those guns that I could steal if I killed that guy. Even if you're not defending other shit with the guns, you're telling people that you have thousands of dollars worth of guns that you're, quote, ready to use. What if they get the drop on you? What if they get the drop on you? Do you realize people, a lot of people with guns are people that get shot. I don't think I'm ever going to be shot. Because if a guy had a gun, he could point it at me, and I'd be like, well, you win. I don't want to win by shooting the guy. And if you have a bunch of guns, you're not a hero. You're a scared guy in the suburbs. Nobody gives a fuck about you until you go on Instagram and start telling everybody, I got a lot of guns, okay? I got a lot of guns. I don't think... People look at those guys with guns as being somebody not to mess with. If you're willing to rob a place, you're pretty familiar with the fact that people 
have guns. You might be robbing places purposefully. People that you know have guns because they have other shit in their house, and then also you can take that gun. If I had a gun, I would tell nobody. I would tell absolutely nobody. Because that's the... I think killing somebody with a gun is a game of surprise. It doesn't make any sense to just be like, hey, just so you know, I have a gun. If you're willing to rob a place with a gun, you're willing to shoot and be killed. So stop letting people know that you have the gun. It's not doing you any good. You gotta be post-World War II America, where you're like, no more nukes. Did it work? No. But does your plan work either? No. I don't know. I like how old and just dumb so many pro-gun arguments are. I said I shouldn't own a gun, and then a guy was like, well, what, should you not own forks or knives? And it's like, I wouldn't kill myself with a fork or knife. Do you know how hard that is to kill yourself with just a fork or a knife? You can fuck up just by going, it's not like you just die. You gotta really, you have to cut through your body. I have to take a fork and shove it in, like that shit in the movies where you're just like, like that's not, you know how hard that would be to do to yourself? I don't want to kill myself enough to kill myself with a fork, but I might want to kill myself to do it with a gun, and that's why I shouldn't own a gun. There's not a lot of fork sprees going on out there. You know? The whole shit about like, oh, guns don't people, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Guns are tools, and we use tools to exert ourselves upon the world. We use tools as an extension of ourselves to make an impact on the world. Hammer to nail to building a house. It's all an extension of ourselves that we use those tools for. People do kill people with guns. Way more than almost any other shit besides bombs. I don't know. I still feel like more people have died from guns than bombs. But see, now somebody's going to be like, well, that's not true. This guy doesn't know anything about guns. Listen. It's, I don't know, it's very weird. It's just very weird to be so excited to defend something that can kill you. If you have a gun, tell everybody who doesn't to never get one. And then those are less people that you gotta worry about. When it comes to gun guys, do the math. Just do the math. I don't know. Commenting is very funny because I think, um, you know, like there's a certain level of importance of importance that I ascribe to myself just by thinking I should sit in my room and talk for an hour. But there's also an extent to where I realize that I am an idiot. And also, uh, nobody really cares about this podcast. Had like 40 people even see it, and I don't think anyone finished it. But it is funny because you you post a clip and then somebody's like, that's not how that works, you fucking idiot. And it's like, of course I'm an idiot. I'm recording a podcast alone in my room. Do you think I have it figured out? Whatever happened to looking at a loser and saying, I don't need to even talk to them? What happened to the glory days of that, where if you were a loser, you just weren't approached? <clears throat> but it's the internet, because losers like me can just be on the internet, you know? And then they can say stuff, and then other people could be like, well, uh, you actually suck. And it's like, why do you talk to people who you think suck? You know? I don't understand. To be honest, I kind of don't understand argumentation. I understand it. Arguments. What I, I kind of don't understand 
I understand arguments in an objective sense that you state your claims. Nobody else states theirs. You debate those claims. And hopefully you come to a level of understanding where maybe each of you have taken pieces of what you said and your mind is a little bit changed. Or one guy completely concedes to the other, which is good. You know, if you're thinking about a Nazi debating a guy that's not a Nazi, you would kind of hope that at the end of it, the Nazi's not a Nazi. But I also don't understand argumentation in the sense that so many arguments are purely from the point of convincing the other person of something. I don't like arguments. I like discussions. I like when you say one thing and a guy goes, huh, and then he says this thing, and there's no thought of like, well, this will disprove you, you know? Or even, it's like argumentation is more of a mentality than anything, because it's like you can bring up a counterpoint, but in a way of like, that makes me think of that. It's a, you know, it's a bubbling conversation. It's a movement to it. With argumentation, a lot of times, especially internet stuff, there is no movement to the argument. It's just fully like, well, forks can kill you. And you're like, well, guns can kill you more. And they're like, that's not what's important. And then you're like, what is? And it's like, fuck you. And like this, whatever. Even then, maybe I was a little too nice to the pro gun. Um, because I think you can own a gun. I think it's fine. I don't I don't want to re- necessarily restrict people from that. I mean, I do a little bit. I don't really think you need that AR. And it's mostly because there's other people that are going to go out, you know. Handguns would make it tougher. Or even just a just a just like a bolt-action hunting rifle, whatever. But I just don't understand really wanting to argue with people so much. But also you notice sometimes those people that comment stuff don't even want to argue because I get petty. And I like to have fun. I like to have little things for people to read in the comments that might be funny to them. So I will respond. I will respond from the podcast account. I talked about how I shouldn't get a gun, and the guy just commented, not how that works, bud. And then I responded. I was like, I'm sorry. I should be more serious when I am uh, podcasting alone in my room. And he didn't say anything because there's a lot of guys that just want to just shut it down, just go fucking, huh? Enough said. We'll just walk away. Problem is, I love conflict, too. I don't understand so many arguments that I have, but I welcome them. You know what I mean? Like, that's... And I know I'm an idiot, but other guys are like, I just fucking love, you know, rhetoric and debate. It's like, no, you don't. You don't like a certain group of people, so when you can be mean to them in a faux intellectualized way then it's fucking feels good. You're just doing it to feel good. You shouldn't have, if any kind of constructive debate, you shouldn't walk away from being like fucking demolished. You know, it's like the debate is not supposed to be a recreation activity. It's something that's used to solve problems or or think through things more, you know? I like to debate in a way that is completely unfair and without respect for the other person because it's fun. I don't do it anymore, but in high school, speech and debate team, oh my God, we had a debate show in the auditorium of the school where me and my friend were debating peeing in the shower And I was pro-peeing in the shower, and he was anti-peeing in the shower. And so what I did was say, well, I'm not pro or anti-peeing in the shower. I am pro-choice of peeing in the shower, and that is what my side is proclaiming, is the choice for whether or not to pee in the shower. Peeing in the shower, we can't say whether or not it's good or bad, but what we can say is that people should probably have the right to do it if they so choose. And then he tried to say, well, no, I'm saying that too. And I said, well, no, you're not because you're anti, which means that you want it to not happen. I'm not saying everybody should pee in the shower. Is that a fair debate? Did I even really broach the topic? Not at all. Not at all. Not in any way did I do any work to really make that a constructive conversation. But it's fun because it's fun to be an asshole. 
I think the problem with like internet debates is that people have too much fun. They seem angry, and they are, but it's it, they enjoy that anger. That's why they respond with like, um, what about, like, that's not how you talk when you really give a shit about, you know what I mean? You don't start with like a, but actually, like, that's not, watch any fucking debate against two guys that are like actual scholars. Like, they don't start with like, um, so here's the, like, they don't do that. They will do the idea of that, of starting a counterpoint, but you don't do it like a little fucking nerd. You know what I mean? It's like people that are commenting on shit. It's like, you're such a nerd. Can you imagine replying to somebody that you've never met? Like, I don't understand it. Why do you want to talk to people you will never meet? In a way that's not even... I mean, if you're going to debate somebody in a real way, you should know the person you're debating in some sense, or at least kind of know where they're coming from. But a 30-second clip from a podcast that I do for an hour where I forget almost everything I talk about after I'm done with it is not something that I think is worth anyone's time to watch, let alone talk about. You know, I don't know. I stopped, and this is <laughs> this is not a good example, but I stopped kind of believing in argumentation after I was in fifth grade, I would say. I was in fourth grade when Obama was running against McCain for the first term, um, and I went to a small Christian school, and there was a boy... Lorenz, who was half black, half Filipino, and I am white, 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 and I was pro-Obama, and he was pro-McCain, and as a young child, not anymore, but as a young child, I did not understand why a black dude would not like Obama, or just any person of color, I was like, why wouldn't you like Obama? And the other guy's Republican. And Republicans seem to not like you. As I've gotten older, I've realized that, you know, Obama wasn't much of a savior to anybody. And, you know, dropped a lot more bombs, probably, than he did really change Americans' lives, you know, I think that's a pretty easy debate to have. I also understand that um, expecting somebody to support somebody because of their race is just racism, you know? That's a thing a lot of liberals fall into. Um, you know, I think people probably viewed Obama as a savior to black and just people of color in general in America. And then after eight years, you're like, ah, he just kind of did a lot of the same stuff that the other presidents did, you know? But the point is, I remember debating with Lorenz all the time. All the time we would debate, and we'd I'd bring up the same point. I, also, I'm in fourth grade, so I don't know what the fuck my points were. I think it was just... Democrats are good because my parents tell me they're good. That was really my only point, and I think his point was McCain's good because my parents tell me he's good. I'm sure in whatever fourth grade words we had, I was like, well, Obama is better for social welfare, and I'm sure he was like, well, McCain is better for the economy or something. We argued for so long, and all it did was cause us to not like each other or think the other one is like a dick, you know? And then you grow up and you're like, oh, he's Mormon. Why was I arguing the whole time, you know? Not to diss the Mormons, but to say that I don't think me and Mormons have a lot in common and probably won't have a lot in common. Now, should you not debate people that you are unlike? Of course not. It's probably some of the best people to debate. But... You also need to remember that if you are going up not against just a person, but a belief system that they've believed their whole life, 
you're probably kind of wasting your time if your goal is to change them. If your goal is to learn from them, hell yes. Problem is people want to win a lot, you know? People want to really win debates. I understand it. I mean, it's like dominance. It's, uh, I don't know, alpha maleness, I guess you might call it. Something like that. I don't know. I think there's like this weird, I don't think it's obvious. We all know it. But there's this weird thing where like certain scholars have meshed themselves in with almost like a sports-like competition and way of picking a team. And that's always been true in the sense that people with the same ideology stick with each other. But now it's gone from not really being on a team of a certain ideology, but being on a team of we dominate and we beat other people because we're winners. You know, that's kind of it's like a Jordan Peterson guy is telling the people that listen to him and shit, like, we're winners. If you believe this stuff, we are winners, you know. And then you get to a point, and then he's like, and Jews are losers. And, you know, by then you're kind of in it enough that you're like, okay, all right. Which, I don't think he ever said that. (laughs) You know, but I do think he said a lot of weird stuff, you know, when you talk about evolution and gender. And, you know, you're saying trans people are out of their minds, you know, but, uh, which I don't believe, but. Guys get sucked into those thoughts after they've listened to a guy long enough being like, if you listen to me, you will be on the path of greatness. And then kind of after that, anything they says. But the point is, it's sort of like a, it's just like a cult of winning, this obsession with winning and being dominant that I don't actually think is a symptom of a thinking intellectual person. I think it's a symptom of somebody with a certain insecurity or feeling of deficiency or lack of efficacy. And so your goal is not really to be an intellectual. Your goal is to win. And then you go about it by reading books by the people you choose to read, like we all do. But you got to remember that, that you know, you ask certain people for advice or you read certain books because of a specific answer that you want. And I do that too. I do that all the time, you know. I want to read books so the thoughts I have now can be proven right by that book. It's a cult of winning, though, and I don't understand it, really, because it's like, People, uh, was was the same? Burroughs, William S. Burroughs, something like that. I don't know if it was him. I think it was somebody else. William Buckley, maybe. Um, he was saying that uh, happiness is a byproduct of uh, action or just doing things that will fulfill you. And if you chase happiness, you're chasing pleasure, which is usually kind of sloth-like, sitting on your couch, getting high, eating junk food that tastes good, if you're looking with those things to be happy, you'll never be happy because you just end up a fucking loser. You will be happy if you push yourself to do great things like make a podcast. Even small things like this, you know what I mean? Any kind of action, seeing yourself exert that onto the world, will make you feel good, will make you, give you probably a better control of yourself And then you can live a more fulfilling life, which will probably, at least a little bit, involve moments of happiness, you know? So I look at these guys, you know, the the Peterson disciples and shit, which I'm not saying they're evil. I'm just saying I don't really agree. I look at them as guys that want to win. They don't really care about understanding the things they read or hear. They care about using them so they can regurgitate them to win, the same way they perceive Peterson winning in all his debates. And at the end of those debates, you realize everything they've talked about is 
really subjective. You know, a lot of it is just very subjective, as everything is. You know, um, a diagnosis of something is still subjective, although it uses modern medicine and tools. It's still subjective because you have to consider how you're observing those things and are any of those things truly reliable? Are your eyes not really, you know, is a machine not really because it's made by you, you know? But, you know, I don't think that these guys end up winning. I think they just end up becoming obsessed with the idea of winning and being dickheads, you know? And you see that all across the board where, like, you know, a person that's more into, you know, like I, a person on my side that's more leftist, likes existentialism, is pansexual. You know, that's a very annoying person. I understand that. I know that, you know, in some ways I'm sure I like to win. But also I'm so aware of it that I realize it's such a petty, silly way to go about it. And yeah, and these guys, they don't end up you know, being happy? Because it's like a lot of those guys, do they really read the stuff that Peterson says he gets his ideas from? Whether or not that's good stuff? Do they even, good, subjective, do they even read it? I don't think so. But you know what they do like to do? Is watch debates with the thumbnail, Jordan Peterson crushes liberal college student. Because that makes them feel good because they have this parasocial relationship where they're like, me and Jordan are friends. Jordan just made a fool of her. I'm on the side of the winner. It's like, first off, they made fools of each other. He was debating some wild shit about how, you know, evolution means that trans people can't exist even though they exist and are real people. I don't get, you know. And then, you know, and then she got up and just started calling him a fascist, which is not a good way to debate. And then he gets to feel like he wins because she's yelling, even though he probably hasn't really brought up any kind of valid point. And then she's more angry, and they're just both stupid. That's kind of all it is, is they're just both really reactive people and he has the mic. But they watch that video and they're like, well, look how crazy she looks. And it's like, yeah. But the shit he says is pretty wild, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know. Which is why both sides need to stop being reactionary. Because then you're able to see people for who they are. If somebody didn't like a joke of mine, and they stood in the crowd, and they screamed at me for it, they've really already lost that argument because they've made themselves out to be a crazy person, which sucks because somebody who yells out in a club and says they don't like my material, which hasn't happened. I don't see it happening. People don't get mad about McDonald's jokes, but a person who who yells out like that might have a valid point, but they've or they've already presented it so terribly that if I wanted to, I could just be like, well, I'd fucking chalk that one up to a win. When really it's like, no, I just said something, I upset somebody, and they reacted in a way that wasn't really appropriate. But there's nothing really that I did besides not getting angry that won that situation. So it's almost like a battle of posturing, you know? The one people, well, the one thing people do on the internet is like to say things that they kind of know will get people angry. And then people read that, and they're like, you're a fucking asshole. And they're like, look how fucking mad you are. I brought up my intellectual point, and look how fucking mad you are. And the point is just like, well, fucking crabs aren't trans. And you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I think that's just so funny, because it's like, people sort of just, this is very common. They just bring up shit they read. And they, ha they don't really know what it means, but they bring it up in an argument because they saw another guy who they perceived to be right say that. And then the other person does the same thing, 
and it's just sort of a back and forth that they just say these sentences they read. The other person says the sentence they read. They say that's wrong. They say why that's wrong. And then they say because you're an idiot, because that person doesn't really know what they read before. They don't really understand it. I think there's a lot of people that don't want to admit that they lack certain capabilities in ways of conceptualizing and really internalizing and understanding the things that they read. That took a lot for me in college because I had a class, just like an existentialism 101 class, and there was this guy, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas, very famous Christian existentialist, you would consider him. And he was talking about subjectivity, and he was talking about how if you try and pursue perfection in a state of objective pers- perfection, like that of God, uh, you are actually sort of defying God and defying your greatest power, which is infinite subjectivity and transcendence. We are made flawed by God. If you believe in God, we're made flawed, which means there's no way to achieve perfection. But that also means there is no limit to the ways that we can improve ourselves. And that's a really beautiful thing, whether or not you believe in God. I don't really believe in God. But that idea of us not being objective, but rather subjective beings, which then points to an ability to be anything at any time and to get better at that thing until the day we die, is a beautiful thing. If you practice being nice and you really practice it and you really get good at it, the day you die could be the nicest you've ever been. Something about that didn't click with me. I didn't understand why he was using God because I'm not a God guy. And so that really put a bias on the way I was reading his words for a long time. And it it took the teacher to really give me no grace on that to help me. He was like, you just have to keep reading it. I'll give you some tips, but you have to keep reading it. You have not read it enough, and I know you haven't read it enough because I've read it enough. And, you know, whether or not I disagree with you, you're literally just saying things the text is not saying. And I had to be like, okay. And I had to stop. I had to put the God bias away, and I read it, and I was like, this guy fucking rules. And if anything, he's probably one of the most memorable guys from the whole class. But the thing is, you shouldn't read something to read it. You should read it to understand it. And if you don't get it the first time, then you have to read it again. And that's why a teacher is really great. That's why, you know, there's a lot of these guys that are really invested in self-improvement and being their own teacher, you know, and reading books that will help you. And you have to always kind of be your own teacher in some sense. But it's good to talk to people about stuff and really get perspective on stuff because if not, you end up reading Nietzsche and becoming Hitler. You know what I mean? Like there's an extent to which you got to put the ego down when you're reading shit. And it's like Hitler read Uberman, you know, reading, you know, not the name of it, but he read about Nietzsche's idea of like uh, a person that has you know, kind of been devoted to transcending a kind of, I don't know, dumbassery in humanity. You know, somebody that's really invested themselves in thinking and really trying to kind of figure stuff out. He took that and was like, okay, so Jews should die, you know? And it's like, maybe he just needed a teacher. Maybe he needed a guy there to be like, hey, no, all he's saying is that you should try and transcend you know, fickle thoughts and worldly desires and God, even, you know, God is dead was a big thing he liked, which I think is a sick sentence. But, yeah, the point is, it's like, this whole, like, I did the research, I read the facts and stuff, it's like, read it again, then go read something else that says a different thing, then go read something else that says a different thing, and throughout all of that, you might find some grain of truth, because there's, you know, it's like there are 
it's funny because there are news outlets that are they have ratings of like mo or most bias to least bias to kind of bias to bias to this side bias to that side um the important part of that scale is that the ones in the middle are the ones nobody watches the ones that are the most objective are not popular which shows that people want something from the news which is affirmation of the things they believe you know because the truth facts are boring but saying the war in iraq means this is exciting because now you're a thinker and then you can take with that lady on the news said and you can take it to starbucks and you can destroy the libs or whatever you want to do i don't get it even talking about this sucks what have i learned nothing in the entire time i'm saying this i was like well there's a bunch of people that would just be mad at me for saying this i don't know maybe i should go with god one time I was pretty high on mushrooms, and I was in my bed right over there. Can you, I'm not in a real studio. Can you believe that? Um, I was in my bed. I was thinking about God. And I was like, man, I don't really believe in God anymore. But you can just believe in God for like 10 minutes. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, well, that's not a true belief. And it's like, well, why? Because some people get raptured or not raptured, but you know what I mean? They feel the light of God in a moment and then then they stay with that. It's like you can you have control over your mind. And if it's all about accepting God, then for 10 minutes you can accept God. And for a few minutes I was like, all right, I'm fully for God right now. I am completely for God, and it felt good. I just basked in the light of the Lord. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm done, and I just stopped. I felt real good, which I think kind of, I don't know, maybe isn't the best argument for God that you can just sort of, I don't know. Does it mean you can tap into him? Sorry, it, God. Does it mean you can tap into God, or does it mean you can tap into uh your own perception of God and just sort of roll with that for as long as you want. I think the latter. But I do... I'm baptized Catholic. And uh, there is something I like about Catholicism. And I think it's mostly because I wasn't heavily exposed to it. My parents never took me to church. I went to a Christian school from preschool to fifth grade, but that was it. And it wasn't a Catholic school. It was like a non-denominational kind of Christian. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was Christianity light, pretty much. It was pretty light Christianity. It was all happy. It was all, being Christian's good. Going with God is good. This is all good. You're, don't worry, you're crushing it. You are killing it. You know? Um, but... But there's something fun about Catholicism. I think it's more, it really, it really fucks up your brain in the way a lot of other things do. But Catholicism is fucking hardcore. Because a lot of Christians are like, if you let God into your life, you are good. And and Catholics are like, no, (laughs) not so fast. Okay. All right. You can let God in but is God going to let you win? You know what I mean? There's still a thing of like, not so fast. That's almost like the Catholic way of like, not so fast, okay? You know, they expect you to get up to the kingdom of heaven, and then God is like, (laughs) you really thought, huh? You really thought. You're wicked. Do you know that? You're wicked. You were five years old, and you stole a Snickers from Hobby Lobby. They had a... They had a stand of candy among model airplanes, and you stole one. You're going to hell, fucker. You know? Or you go to heaven, and they're like, you thought of some big titties when you were watching TV with your wife. You're going to hell, fucker. And I like how Catholics are like, they also just love 
it's almost like it's almost like Catholics are like a bad boyfriend who cheat on God. Sometimes it feels like almost because they love like games. You know what I mean? They love playing the game of like indulgences, you know, if you don't know what those are. It's like, if you have a family member died, uh, part of the belief is that you go to purgatory and you spend a certain amount of time in purgatory, sometimes forever you spend a certain amount of time in purgatory, but an indulgence is something you can buy with money, with just earthly money. Buy that from a priest, and that'll, like, knock off five years in purgatory or get them out of purgatory for your boy up in heaven. It's like sending some money to prison. Be like, here, let me take care of you. And I like that because, like, Catholics, it's like they believe it so hard Imagine believing in God so much that you kind of believe you can make deals with him. You know what I mean? Where you're like, okay, I get it. Dad's in purgatory. But if I throw $50 to the church, we can knock five years off that sentence. You know what I mean? I like that. I like that. Catholics act like they're on Shark Tank. You know what I mean? Just, Just walking up to the pearly gates like, I have an offer. Okay? Did I fuck those kids? Yes. But after years and years of hard work, I went to confession over 200 times. And I've built quite a business of me not feeling sad about myself, you know? And then it's as if God would be like, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of factors to weigh here. You know what I mean? There are definitely pros and cons. But I do think you're a growing business. I would like to offer you the pearly gates of heaven. You know, like it's... It's very fun. I think I think they almost have fun with it. I mean, you got to have fun with it if, like, you're getting fucked in the ass for God. You know what I mean? Like, that's a fun religion. That's a really fun religion to where people are getting fucked in the ass and being like, God likes this. God is happy that I'm doing this. God thinks I'm a pretty good guy for doing this. Thank him. Thank God for this dick in my ass. But also thinking that if you got fucked in your pussy, that God would be like, oh, I'm so fucking mad at you. Oh my God, you got fucked in the pussy? Are you kidding me? You got fucked in the sexual organ? I told you to keep it in your ass. I think I was clear about that. I thought I was clear, even though I, or rather anyone in the Bible, really ever seemed to say that. It's funny, because if the Bible's true, too, it's like, then you're committing sodomy, which I don't understand. Which almost, is like, that. once again, that's the game of them being like, okay, premarital sex, God doesn't like. Sodomy, God also doesn't like. What does God not like more? Premarital sex. Is anal sex sex? For some reason in their heads, no. So boom, anal it is, which is like... I mean, either stop believing or just get married. What are you doing getting fucked in the ass? You're you're 15. You gotta study. Come on. You should be going to the mall, not getting fucked in the ass for God. What are you even having sex for, you know? And that's when it—that's when all the, all of those games really wreak havoc on people's minds. When if they never told any of those kids that, then they would just be normal. But instead, it's, can you imagine that? It's like you want to raise your family so righteous that you just end up having your 16-year-old daughter being like, I guess I got to get fucked in the ass. You know what I mean? It's like, you really screwed the pooch on that one. Got your own pooch screwed, you know? I don't know. It's it's sad. I do think it's got to be fun, though, to live a life where you kind of believe in damnation. I would say that. I'm sure that's pretty fun for them. I've been listening to a lot of Hank Williams. Hank Williams is really funny. Because all of his songs are either I just got my heart broken or God is real and if you stay stray from the path, he is coming for you. Those are all of his songs. It's either 
she fucking hates me, or God is real and he's coming. And I used to think that those two topics were unrelated, but I'm starting to think that Hank Williams was a pretty... I think he was a real hurt boy. I think he was real sensitive. It sounds like every time a woman broke up with him, he was like, the devil is inside of her. Satan is real, working in spirit. That's what it, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like. Old, old Hank didn't want to admit that maybe he was hitting the bottle too much. You know what I mean? But I like his, I mean, he's he's one of the best musicians of all time. I love him. I, I like his confidence a lot, you know? He's, like, boisterous about God. He's either telling you that you're an idiot because you don't believe or that he kind of rocks for believing, and that believing rocks, you know what I mean? Calling You, one of his one of his big songs. When you've strayed from the fold and your ways have gotten old, you can hear the blessed Savior calling you. You know, it's always like that, which is pretty funny for, like, an entertainer to do. Because he's still an entertainer. You know, he's not a preacher. People don't go to him for guidance. Maybe they do, but not in such a direct way. Can you imagine going to a Hank Williams concert and being like, we're about to have a fun night. I'll probably have some drinks. I'll probably tune it up a little bit. And then you get there, and he's just on stage just being like, the Lord is wicked. Sorry. The world is wicked. The Lord is real. Your wicked ways will be punished and will be brought to judgment. And then you're just in the crowd, just like fucking what? You know, like just amped. That's wild. That's a wild vibe. You know what I mean? I don't know. Religion's fun because a lot of old country guys really blame women not wanting to fuck them on the devil. Which I guess is how you get to a witch trial, if you really think about it. It's like the Leuven Brothers have a song where it's just about how she's a girl that they used to like is now has gone with Satan. And like one of the things they say is like, I knew that her mind has wandered or was broken by the way that she done up her hair. That was the phrase. I knew that she had fucked up in life because she changed her hair, and it's got to be Satan. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe you just couldn't make her come and so she broke up with you and got a new haircut everybody gets a new haircut after a breakup i don't think it means that satan walks with her at all times you know but it's it's gotta be a real load off of any feeling of personal personal responsibility towards anybody except yourself you know what i mean it's gotta be a lot of fun to just go to church see that motherfucker in the white robe swinging around that that bell of incense, smell it, and just be like, I'm the greatest guy ever. I'm so sick. I am so cool. It's crazy how cool I am. And then you just walk out of that church, and you see a guy at a cafe, reading a book, drinking a coffee, smoking a cigarette, and you look at him, and you're like, he's the fucking devil. Why wasn't he in here with us? He is the fucking devil. Anyway, I'm going to go fuck a lady in the ass. You know, it's like, what? Not that fucking somebody in the ass is bad. That's fine, too. But to do it for Jesus and to hate the guy that's just trying to have some fun reading Grapes of Wrath, you know. But I do get it. I under, you know, God can make you feel really good. Even that kind of anger and damnation that you feel and put onto other people, I think makes those people feel good. I think there's a certain sense of power and assurance in it, you know. Because I feel like I have felt God at some points, but in a way that feels very contrived. 
but also real. Hank Williams has a song called I Saw the Light. No more darkness, no more night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Just like that blind man that God gave back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I learned that song on guitar, very easy song to learn. I was in my room, my acoustic guitar, eyes closed, just praise the Lord, I saw the light. Just feeling amazing. Just, uh, just, just raptured in his light, just enveloped by the warm love of our one true Savior, Jesus Christ. Do I believe in God? No. Not at all. But does it feel good to just sort of be like, hey, I'll take some take some God right now, you know? I guess I believe you're your own God, but if you would like to, you know, believe in a more heavenly spirit, you can just kind of do that whenever you want, I realize. Which is also good because, you know, if God is real, I can uh I can, you know, pick him up or put him down as I so please. I think according to Hank Williams, I'm going to burn for eternity because of that. But also, I think that's a more honest relationship with God, you know? To be like, yeah, I'll sing this song and I'll, you know, I'll think about you right now, but uh, it's not my thing, you know? I like to think God would be cool enough to be like, yeah, man, no worries. Like, it's a pretty good song he wrote, right? And I'm like, yeah, it is a pretty good song. I like it a lot. He's like, yeah, no, totally. I, I really appreciate that Hank wrote that. Well, hmm. that's going to be the episode. Uh, as always, uh, if you listen this long and you are a Catholic or if you are a big debate head, why don't you uh, email me at cooperisalone at gmail.com. Go to the socials, Cooper Lydon is alone pod on everything. Um, DM me. Little story, little Catholicism story. I'll read it. I do this every episode. Not enough people watching this to actually do that. It's kind of like feeling like a grandma being like, why don't you call? You never call anymore. I'm just sitting in New Jersey with all of my little clay ramekins of little Bo Peep, and you never call. Please call. I would like you to call. Send a letter. Tell me about how Catholicism is evil. Or about how you threw cigarettes at somebody's window. Or how you had anal sex in a pox in the block bathroom with no door on the stall. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's going on in your life. Call me. Don't call me. Email. DM the socials. It would be fun. Sorry I yawned so much. I'm going to see if I can edit it out. If I didn't, then I guess I didn't. Anyway, uh, Satan is real, working in spirit. <laughs>